Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. We're going to talk about the shepherds this morning in our Christmas character series. But I have to admit, um, there's a lot of ugly in this room. And I can say that today because it's ugly Christmas sweater Sunday and you guys came through. All right. It looks awesome in here. Not a lot of times I can get on, get away with saying ugly on stage, uh, but it is truly, truly awesome in here. But I have to admit to you, I am really, really bummed because this week I found the best ugly Christmas sweater I have ever seen in my entire life. It hit every single criteria. It was an eyesore. It was ugly, certainly uncomfortable, won't want to be caught dead in it. But here was the problem. It was expensive. Okay, I saw it. I saw it on, on the, you know, because you don't go to the store anymore and you order stuff, right? It's on Amazon. You're surfing the web. And so I found this best ugly Christmas sweater but the thing was 120 bucks. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. Who would pay $120 for this ugly Christmas sweater? But the thing is, I've seen so many people wear it, so someone must be doing it. So I had to show you the ugliest Christmas sweater I saw this week. It was truly an eyesore. Let's see it. The ugliest of Christmas sweaters on top of that, they had a model. There was a guy wearing one. <laughs> I seriously, when I tell you, I've never been more tempted to spend $120 in my life. Because if I came up here on Ugly Christmas Sweater Sunday, what was that? Ugly Christmas Sweater Sunday, say that five times fast, and rip that sucker off, it would have been the best Christmas at the Bridge Church that has ever existed. It would have been awesome. But Packers fans, let me just, just say this really, really quick, okay? Um, what you're experiencing right now is what we deal with 90% of the time, okay? So... Please don't hate me for stomping on your quarterback and taking my victory lap because we deserve this, okay? The toil and the torment we go through, we deserve this. So I know there are Packers fans in the room. I just want you to know your love. Jesus loves you. I love you. I just pray for you more than the Vikings fans. That's all. Conversion is a beautiful, beautiful thing, okay? I had to bring the joke this morning because the Minnesota Vikings very, very intentionally went down 33 points yesterday just so we could all have a very merry weekend and, and Christmas, right? So thank the Vikings because they, they were thinking of us. They were excited for us. It was awesome. If you turned off the game at halftime, don't blame you, but you missed NFL history. But enough about Minnesota Vikings and Packers fans, all that good stuff. I'm just excited, as you can tell. I am excited. This is a beautiful Beautiful time of year. I am excited for this Friday, our Christmas Eve, Eve service. If you're newer to the bridge, you're kind of like, oh, that's interesting. And here's our whole rationale behind why we do the Eve, Eve service. Christmas holidays are, are, are busy, right? You, you're going here, you're going there. And so Christmas Eve gets busy, Christmas Day gets busy. So we're like, let's just have a good service, Eve, Eve. And here's the really, really fun part. It's always packed in here, right? Like we, there's standing room only, all this good stuff. Here's the really, really fun part. 
Um, it's packed in here now, right, on a Sunday morning, which is awesome. And so here's the thing. Like, we're going, we're making history this year. We're going to two Christmas Eve Eve services, 6 o'clock and 7.30. So I'm going to talk about this here in a little bit. But if you've never been a part of it or you, you're part of the bridge and you're around, come. It is so, so fun. It's a little bit of a shorter service. There's some great Christmas music, candlelight, all of that good stuff. Um, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be so, so fun. Uh, my family and I have made it a tradition to kind of get some food afterwards and everything, but it's just a great time of the year. We're excited for Eve Eve. We're excited for Christmas. The Mum family has some unique traditions that come along with it. Uh, we're up at about 5.30 in the morning uh, because we have two small kids, and they are really really excited for Santa to come, uh, like really excited. And so uh, it's going to be fun this year, but then Sunday night, and if this is you as well, I want to see some raise of hands. The best Christmas food on Christmas night is some sweet and sour chicken with fried rice. Do anybody else that joins me on that? Like seven people, not even four people, okay? Uh, it is so fun. We always, uh, the last year we've, we've been able to, my mom takes our kids, so Meg and I get to have the night to ourselves. And some of you parents are like, geez, you don't spend time with your kids on, on Christmas Day? Well, we do, but we're also happy to let Gigi take them for the weekend. Um, they're awesome. But then we grab some Chinese, and life is good. Now, I know a lot of people in the room are like, it's not the reason for the season. And I'm with you, right? Like, like baby Jesus and the birth of Jesus is the reason for this season. But can we just remember, this is a birthday, okay? Jesus is born, you celebrate at a birthday. So nobody likes a thin Santa. Get excited, celebrate Jesus' birth with confectioner sugar, red dye number 40, all that good stuff. It's gonna be so, so fun. Are you excited for Christmas this morning? All right, let's jump into this thing, okay? We are talking about Christmas here at the bridge through the various lenses and scope of some different characters of the Christmas story. You have baby Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and all those, those mainstream characters, but there's some more subtle ones that I've wanted to dive into this Christmas season. So we've talked about King Herod. We've talked about the Magi. Bethany did a fantastic job talking about uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth last week. She was awesome, a fantastic message. And today we're going to talk about, as Tim Hawkins so eloquently serenaded us into this uh, about the shepherd boys. So basically what happens is Jesus is born. We're going to talk about that next week. But Mary and Joseph are sitting there. The magi come. They give them the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. But then come the shepherd boys, barreling in, hot, sweaty, out of breath. And they go, <laughs> we heard the Messiah was born. And if you're like, what kind of translation are you reading? the Derek translation, okay? I'll get into it in a little bit. But the, the, the Magi and the wise men had to travel a long way to get to see baby Jesus. But the shepherd boys were close. And so they, they show up in Luke chapter two like this. Verse six, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So Jesus is born. There's this perfect scene that we see of Mary and Joseph in, like, with the manger in this abandoned barn, basically. It's this beautiful moment. We've celebrated. We've seen all this good stuff. But then when you're reading this text, it's almost like the writer 
like kind of pans over to like a different part of the scene. Same time period, but different scene. And here's what we read in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. You know, sometimes when you hear a story so many times, or you've heard the same thing over and over again, sometimes it loses a little bit of its zeal. But the reality of what this scene actually looked like is pretty miraculous. You have to understand, shepherds spent a lot of time seeing a whole lot of nothing. Their job day in and day night was to follow around sheep and make sure they didn't get into anything they're not supposed to, make sure they were going to the bathroom where they were supposed to, making sure they were trying to eat appropriately. Really being parents is really what it boils down to, just less exciting. And so you have these shepherds who for 12 hours a day are just following sheep around aimlessly. It's monotonous. It's mundane. It's boring. And more times than not, you're sitting there bored stiff. But when you're not bored stiff, it's because one of your sheep is in grave trouble or there's like a lion coming to kill all your sheep and you have to fend him off. So it's not the greatest job, uh, and especially the pay is really bad. But regardless, these shepherds for 12 hours a day are doing all of these things. And so when I read this Christmas story, I have to understand that for a majority of the days for these guys, they see nothing, nothing exciting, nothing out of the ordinary. The same day, over and over and over and over again. So when you have that context, this story looks a little different. Because they're sitting there, the text says, in the fields nearby. They're not far from where baby Jesus is born. And so they're just in the field. It's night. They put the sheep down for the night. Everything's tucked away. They're probably trying to find a comfortable rock to pass out on. All this good stuff. When all of a sudden, the sky splits open, this angel begins to descend out of the sky, and it says they were terrified. Now, if you're like, what's, what's with that whole thing? If you look um, into, like, the deep parts of the Bible, uh, the, the angels that we have on our nightstand or on our coffee table look a little different than what the angels are explained like in the text. Um, angels are kind of like these spiritual warriors with lots of wings and lots of eyes and pretty fierce. And so these guys are terrified because this angelic creature that's an absolute unit is coming down out of the sky with this glory. They're just shining like crazy, and they're terrified. Now, the angel looks at them distinctly and says, don't be afraid. I've got good news of great joy for all people. And this is where we like to skip to the good part, right? Because we like to go back to the birth story. We like to go back to the birth of Jesus. But I want to focus on the shepherds for a second because they tell us a lot about what it's like to follow Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verse 12. The angel saying this to the shepherds, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby, Jesus, wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Then suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. You thought these dudes were scared before? This is like the heavenly host. This is like the whole army of heaven is coming down, and they're praising God and saying, God's born, God is good, hallelujah, amen. There's like this whole production that's happening, and the shepherds, remember, the most exciting thing they see all day is when there's like some like little bunny hopping across the, 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 the desert. Like, didn't see that yesterday. That's exciting. So that is their whole day. And so you sit here and there's this whole production unfolding out of the sky. And there's miraculous news that is being shared. But look what happens next. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. Manger. What you do with what God has shown you shows what you think God can do. It's like a tongue twister, right? But what you do with what God has shown you shows what you think God can do in your life. There was zero hesitation in their response from the shepherds. They saw this thing. They saw the angel coming down. They saw the heavenly host. They heard what he said. And when you look into the Greek of what this looks like, when he says, let's go to Bethlehem, there's some urgency in his voice. There's some haste, like we got to go now. And then you read in verse 16, they hurried off. These dudes weren't far away. They weren't like in a long, long distance away. They were in a field nearby. They were close, but the weight and significance of what they were experiencing, of what they were walking through was so significant, they had to, in a hurry, get there. And when I think about this, I think so often God will reveal things to us. He will show things to us, but our logic and what we think whether this is right or wrong, or the social constructs that we live can make us question it. These shepherds had to sound crazy, right? Like, can you imagine them running to a nearby neighbor? Like, you are never gonna believe what happened. We're just sitting out there, hanging out in the desert. All of a sudden, the sky splits open. The angel comes down. The heavenly host comes down. It was awesome. They probably thought these guys had gotten their drink spiked at dinner that night because this was was like a crazy, crazy moment in which they had to experience. On top of the fact, these shepherds, they were like social outcasts. They were dirty. They were ragged. They were non-presentable. And running through the Israeli countryside probably didn't help their overall appearance, okay? They were in a hurry. It was sweaty. It was hot. But it didn't matter because what they had experienced with their own eyes told them all they needed to do. What God will show you and what you choose to do with it shows what you think God can do. They had no doubt that God was real. They had no doubt that he was so powerful that what he just said was complete truth. They didn't have a second to question it. They just ran off to go and find the Messiah, baby Jesus. It didn't matter. Because what they chose to do with what God showed them shows what they thought about God. They knew God was real. And so they responded accordingly. 
what you choose to do this time of year, knowing what God has spoken to you, has shown to you, says a lot more about what you think about God than about who God is in his entirety. This time of year is crazy. People are brought close together and things get interesting, right? What you choose to do with that, what you choose to respond to with that shows what you think God can do. What if we didn't tell people how great the church was or how much we're loving being at church? What if we showed them by the way we responded in the situation? We don't have to tell them that we love coming to church. What if we showed them in the way that our lives are changed from the inside out? Things are tight. Giving gets a lot more difficult this time of year, right? Like you have, you have gifts and you have things you're doing, but God's shown you that he's faithful. And God's shown you that he's going to provide. And God's shown you that when you bless people, he brings it back tenfold. I've seen that in the, in the midst of our lives and, and in the church and so many people in here. You've chosen to step out in faith and bless people and bless things because you've seen God bless you and you know it's going to do something amazing for the kingdom. I know of so many people, it feels like every other day I'm getting a phone call from a person who is saying, Derek, I just lost somebody. I just went through a really, really difficult loss. And I don't know what to do with it. This time of year is the worst time to lose somebody. It's difficult. It's trying. It just feels like it rips you out from the insides out. And so what are we going to do with that? What do we choose to do with that? What has God shown to you that he's, he's done in the past? Because I've seen this go one of two ways. When you experience a loss to that level, you either chase after God and cling to God because you know he's been there for you, he's provided for you, he's brought you through some of the nastiest muck and mire of your life, and you know he's going to do it even through this thing called grief. But then there's other of us who try and wrestle this beast of grief on our own. We try and just drown it away. We try and just figure out and manage it away and do all these things and not get to the root of it because we're scared that we're never, ever going to feel the same. What if we let God, who's been there for us in the muck and the mire, who's been the rock upon which we can stand, what if we chose to trust him to take us through? I'm not saying it's going to make all your sadness go away. I'm not saying it's going to take away the pain, but what I am saying if you cling to him, I believe he will carry you through. What you choose to do or not do with what God has shown you shows what you think God can do. Here's what I find interesting. The angels and the heavenly host leave. There's this whole production. The shepherds see it with their own eyes. It's an awesome, awesome experience. But when it's all over, the angels go back up into heaven. The heavenly hosts go back up into heaven. The sky comes back closed. And it's just a dark sky with stars and crickets and silence. Quiet. And the shepherds have a choice to make. The angels didn't serenade them saying, the Messiah is born. Go see him. Come this way. We'll show you the way. Come on. And encourage him the whole way. Right? No. The angels go back up into heaven. 
They told them what they needed to know, but it was up to the shepherds to choose if they were going to actually go and see for themselves. They had a choice to make. Are we going to trust what God has told us to do? And so as we see in the story, the shepherds took off with urgency, with mission, because they knew that God spoke to them and they knew that he was real. But I think sometimes in life, we're partially obedient to what God's calling us to do because we feel like God's partially present. It's really easy to follow God and trust God and do what God's calling us to do when we feel him, when we know he's close, when it feels like he's right here, right next to us. It's so, so much better when we feel like God is there. It's so much easier to step out and do bold things and be faithful and do these things when we feel God. It's so much easier to make amends with an estranged relative. You've had great conversations. You've forgiven. You've done these great things. But all of a sudden, it's almost like there's this shift sometimes. Like you wake up one day, and it's like you don't feel God as strong as you did the day before. And all of a sudden now, it's harder to step out and to take the high road and to do the things that are more difficult because we don't feel God is right there. So much, so many times it feels like we have to just muster through this feeling that God's not with us, that God's not right here in the midst of it. But what I love about this story is that these shepherds saw with their own eyes They experienced God come through and give them their mission. And it wasn't until after the angels left that they went. Because to me, that tells me they had an assurance on the inside that God was always with them. They ran. They they took off to go meet Jesus because they saw something powerful. And here's the last part of the story I have for you in Luke chapter 2, verse 17. When they had seen him, him being Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. This Christmas season, there is a lot going on, right? You've got Christmas parties, work Christmas parties, personal Christmas parties. Christmas parties you didn't even know you were going to, but you're going to. (laughs) You've got the salvation bell ringers. You've got family gatherings. You've got household baking extravaganzas where you fill your entire living room with frosted cookies. You've got all of it, right? Carrying through the neighborhood, all these really, really good things. There's so much good happening in this time of year, it, you can walk down the street and it feels like the person you're walking, the stranger, doesn't actually hate you and hate life. There's just a joy in the air. There's just an excitement and a happiness. And that's great. But here's the thing. Here's why the message of Jesus and the birth of Jesus is something we celebrate. Because on January 1st, that joy doesn't have to go away. On, the, on December 26th, when all the Christmas music goes away and all the excitement of this anticipation of Christmas is coming, when all of that fades away, the birth of Jesus tells us that joy that we experience and feel doesn't have to go away. 
why this is such a big deal. It's why the birth of Jesus is something that is so magnificent. Because just because we don't feel the joy, just because we don't feel like God is close, does not change the fact that he is close and that he is real. We don't have to feel it to know it's true. We don't have to maybe feel the, the, the Holy Spirit tingles. We don't have to, sometimes it's, we come in here, and it's one of those things where it's like, I feel God, God's good. I'm going to throw my hands in the air and worship who God is, and it's great. But can I tell you, there are days when my hands in the air are not something I'm feeling, but something I'm grabbing hold of. Because I know God is real. I know he's true. I know he's going to carry me through. And even though I don't feel it right now, I know that what is true is greater than what I feel. And that's why the joy of Jesus is so, so powerful. Because there are days when life is good and we throw our hands in the air and life is awesome. But there are days when all we can do is go from this to this. God, would you help me? I don't feel you right now. As a matter of fact, I feel a whole lot of stuff that doesn't feel like you. I feel weight. I feel pressure. I feel sadness. I feel loneliness. I feel grief. I feel all of these things, God, and it's really difficult for me to will myself to go from here to here. As a matter of fact, I'm going from here to here. And that feeling is difficult to reconcile what you know is true and what you feel. Which is why I love looking at the shepherds. Because they had nothing to go off of except what they experienced. They saw the heavenly angels. They heard him say, boys, I've got good news of great joy for all people. So go. And when the sky was dark, they went. That is powerful. Because when you look at the life of a shepherd, they were loners. They were cultural losers. They were no good at speaking. They were no good at communicating. They were, no, they were not educated. As a matter of fact, being a shepherd was about the lowest of the low you could possibly be. Yet when I look at this story, this is the first time that God audibly speaks to any one person saying the Messiah is born. You know what that tells me? He's putting his eggs in one basket saying, I'm going to have one set of people spark this revolution that Jesus is born. And it's a bunch of smelly, stinky shepherds who have no education, no training, but what they have is a willingness to go and say yes. If you're looking for the qualification to make an impact in the kingdom of God, you're not going to find one because there is no qualification. God qualifies you to make a difference in this world. What you have to do is be willing to say, yes, God, I will step into what you're calling me to do. That's the qualification. Are you willing to say yes to what God has shown you? Are you willing to choose to do something good with what God has shown you? This Christmas, my prayer is that all of us would have the response of the shepherd. That we would be so excited about who we know God is. We'd be so excited that.
that God is with me, God is for me, God is inside of me. There's so many good things that all we can think to do is to run and to go and to take that light that we have into dark places, into our office, into our community, into the basketball gym. Wherever we go, we have the light of Jesus shining inside of us. And when we walk out these doors, we get to take that light with us. That is my prayer, that we would have the heart of a shepherd, that in our area, in our place, we would shine bright. My prayer, I've been praying this for weeks and weeks and weeks, is that on Christmas Eve, there is somebody that walks into these doors that is down and out, battered and bruised, torn apart by the demands of life, and they're at their wit's end. But when they hear the hope and the joy and the redemption and help of the God we know and love and serve, for the first time in their life, or maybe for the first time in a really long time, they would say, yes, God, I'm sick of fighting on my own strength. I'm sick of trying to just muster this on my own. I need you. This is not about our church. This is not about building the bridge. It's not about any of that. It's about building the kingdom of God. Because here's what's crazy about the shepherd. If you go back into verse 17, Ash, can you throw that back up there for me? When they had seen Jesus, they spread the word. They saw Jesus, and they took off again. Sweaty and nasty and gross. But they were so excited about what God was doing. They were so excited about how they felt, about what they saw, about what they experienced, that they couldn't possibly help but running to the village, running to the nearby towns. Guys, the Messiah is born. We're saved. We don't have to worry about all this junk anymore. It's here. He's here. You got to come. And they came. They followed the cultural Loser, the bottom of the totem pole. Why? Because the light of Christ was in them. They were so full of excitement and joy that it was contagious for everyone else around them. There's so much good around our world right now. There's so much good things happening. And the reason for that is because 2,000 years ago, an angel burst through the heavens and told a bunch of teenage boys, we didn't have a whole lot going on at the time. I've got good news, great joy for all people. Not those that are put together, not for those that are just always a mess, not for the rich, not for the poor. For all, all people. And this time of year, it's easy to feel like the shepherds did when God burst through the sky, like, oh my word, this is crazy. But my prayers have the heart of the shepherd after the skies went closed to continue to run the race God has marked out for me and for our church even when you can't point to something that says, okay, that's exactly what happened. The word of your mouth and your 
testimony is powerful, everybody. How you experience God is something people will listen to. So can I tell you something? Do you know how we get people in the door that don't know the hope of Jesus? It's not always with glamorous pizza parties. It's not always with hiring a $20,000 band. Do you know how we get people excited about Jesus? We get excited about Jesus. We let God change us from the inside out so that all we can possibly imagine to do is, hey, listen, you have to listen. Coworker, friend, neighbor, relative, sibling. I was like this and I felt like this. But when I went to church, when I was in my car and I was worshiping, when I opened up my Bible, I felt God and it changed me. And step by step by step by step, he's changed my life from the inside out. That's pretty cool for you. Yeah, you want it? Yeah, well, I don't go to church. I'm not religious. I'm not an atheist. Doesn't matter. Good news, great joy, all people. It's for all. The first people that God chose to spoke to were the least likely. And I think that was God's message to say, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you're willing to let God change you from the inside out and be used by him in a powerful way, the message of Jesus' birth is going to radically change the world. I want to end with this. If you've noticed this up on my table, props to you. Um, but parents in the room, you know who this is, I'm sure, if you can see it. It's from the Paw Patrol. Yellow helmet. Who is it? Rubble. Yes, thank you. That's what I'm talking about. I feel like I know more about Paw Patrol characters than most things sometimes. But I brought Rubble up here with me today because it reminded me of something that happened about three weeks ago. Ellis John, my son, he's four years old. He went to see Santa, and he got a a little Hot Wheels car. And this Hot Wheels car was something that he slept with, he brushed his teeth with, he ate with. Like, this car did not leave his sight. This car, like, was larger than life to him. To Ellis John, this car was something he could have physically jumped into and driven away because it was like right here in terms of his focus and his priority. So much so that when um, we decided to go sledding in the backyard with six inches of powder, he decided to bring it with him. Dad didn't know that, of course. So about two minutes later, panic ensues when he goes, Dad, I don't know where my car is. Well, we got about half an acre of snow here, so let's start looking, right? And so we're, I got like the doggy dig going on. I'm like moving stuff with my arm. We were searching for like 10 minutes. I have no joke. It, it, it was crazy. Finally, finally, by an act of God, I'm convinced, I happened to reach down and I felt it and I grabbed it and I pulled it out and Ellis was so, so excited. He just clung on to it and he grabbed it and life was good. But I thought about that story. 
Because to Ellis John, that car was so, so important, so, so big. But in a matter of seconds, it got drowned out by the craziness around him. There was so much snow, he lost track of it. And as we go into Christmas, I think so many times there is something in front of us that feels so big and so large that we can't help think about anything else. It might be grief. It might be stress. It might be in a strange relationship that you've been desperately wanting to make right, but it's just not. But there's this massive, massive thing that you can't take your eye off of. But when I realized that I was on my hands and knees trying to find a car in six inches of snow in my big backyard, I realized the things that we think are really big are actually really not that big in the scheme of what God can do. This is the same God who when Israel's running for their life and they've got a really nasty, mad army behind them, God takes the Red Sea and goes, whoosh. They walk through on dry ground and then drown the rest of them behind them. It's the same God who walks on water to go and get to his disciples. The same God who raises people from the dead. The same God who heals and opens the eyes of the blind. The same God who has done so many miracles in this big book we call the Bible. It's the same God that you and I serve today. So whatever is in front of you that is big, that is massive, that you can't get over, that you can't possibly get past, I want you to know it's not that it's not a big deal. It's not that you're not justified to feel it, but the reality is that God is so big and God is so strong and he cares about you so much if you just trust him and cling on to him, I promise you he will take you through it. He will make you stronger through it and as a result you will feel him again sometimes to feel God you have to just take that step of faith step by step I don't feel you now but I trust I will this Christmas I know there are some of you who are battling some really tough stuff and I get it because on December 23rd when I was 13 years old my mom got arrested before me Merry Christmas Derek I used to hate December 23rd because it was a reminder of a really stinky part of my life. Romans 8 says this. I know I'm keeping you a little long today, but I believe God wants to speak to you. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You might be in a storm right now, but I promise you, if you hold on, it will become a testimony to how God brought you through it because I used to hate December 23rd this year I can't wait for December 23rd I'm going to be with some of my favorite people in one of my favorite places talking about my favorite thing it's how God redeems it's how God takes you through you trust and process and trust him through it all. Will you pray with me this morning, everybody? Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. 
God, I believe that you have shown yourself to some in this room. Maybe it's not the big production and the opening of the sky and the angels coming through and all that really, really big stuff. Maybe it's not that. But maybe it's a reminder that he took you through some really tough stuff. That's amazing that you're alive and here to tell the story. And for some of us, we need to just hold on to that, that God is faithful. Even though we can't feel him, even though we feel that thing in front of us that's really big, that God, you want to take us through it. You want to deliver us and redeem it. So God, today, I don't got a big crazy thing. All I've got, Lord, is that we're thankful for the birth of your son. We're thankful, God, that you sent him to take on our sin, our mistakes, our stuff, so that not only would we be clean and have a fresh slate and not be tied to our sin and our mistakes anymore, that we can go to heaven. That's all amazing, and that alone is enough. But the birth of your son and what he did makes you accessible, God. It allows us to feel you. It allows us to go to you in prayer and experience you for real. So God, today, I just pray for those in this room. Maybe they need to make it right with you. And all they need to know is that it's a matter of saying, Jesus, would you forgive me? And you give them a fresh start. They have you close. But for others in the room, God, I just, my prayer for them is that even if they haven't felt you recently, they'd feel you this week. Just because they didn't feel you doesn't mean you're not there. Because you're always there. But this week, God, I pray that they would feel you and experience you for real. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Can we give God some praise this morning? This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.